He did have several letters from Evie that Taleb's wife had read to him, with several more waiting to be read. He dropped the flaps back into position and turned towards Evie, determined not to let his frayed patience rule him. Navani said I should come, Evie said. She said it was shameful that you have waited so long between visits. Adolin has gone over a year without seeing you, Dalinar. And little Renarin has never even met his father. Renarin, Dalinar said, trying to work out the name. He hadn't picked that. Recker, no, re, re, Evie said. From my language, Nar, after his father, in, to be born unto. Stormfather. That was a butchering of the language, Dalinar fumbled, trying to work through it. Nar meant like unto. What does re mean in your language? Dalinar asked, scratch, scratching his face. It has no meaning, Evie said. It's simply the name. It means our son's name, or him. Dalinar groaned softly. So, the child's name was like one who was born unto himself. Huh. Delightful. Heroes of presents The Storm Pod, a Stormlight Archive podcast. Book three, Oathbringer. This is just a quick spoiler warning of chapters 52 and 53 of Oathbringer. If you haven't uh, picked the right episode or you're behind on your reading, make sure you do those things and make sure that you're not getting spoiled. Um, we are very closely here uh, approaching the end of part two. Um, Jack and I are very excited for these next few, couple of episodes. At least I am. He has no clue what's coming. Anyways, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Q, and he brought the children to war. It's Jack. <laughs> What's up? That's what I do. They're, yeah. they're quite handy, as it turns out. You were like, fuck this. You know what? You know what a perfect place to raise my kids <laughs> is? I'm bringing them to the war. I'm bringing the kids to war. Yeah. Yes, one's only is... <laughs> four years old and the other one's a newborn. Well, gee. I, I'm not really sure what to say to that. That's that's. I think uh, Renard is going to be breastfeeding and also uh, sucking up the blood in the air right. after the Blackthorn oh has his way with the enemy. Quite a comical bit here, I I thought uh, between Dalinar and um, Evie and Evie, yeah, yeah because <laughs> he's he's just like you. You brought the kids, like what are <laughs> like, you doing? What the fuck, like what are you doing? Yeah, um, I thought that was kind of uh, a bit weird or funny mm -hmm. i think it came from a place of innocence but i also want to comment uh on that chapter when we get going about what she says about her the urgings that came from navani yeah yeah dude there's there's so um my, my conspiracy 
I don't think she's doing it. Um, I, I mean, we don't have to talk about it now. We could let, let's save it for later. Let's save it for when okay. we get to that part. But um, okay. But we do get a huge reveal. Yeah. In the second chapter that we're covering here, chapter fifty-three. We've been waiting for this for so long. Yeah. Some kind, some kind of, you know, means of understanding Urethiru, some kind of mm. record. Yeah. And I think we're, I think we're getting it. Well, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're, it's right there. You know, it's funny. We, um, we talked a lot more about this in the first book in Way of Kings than we did, I think, in Words of Radiance. In words, right. we were really captivated by this idea of perspective and how it became this main theme throughout the whole series. Um, mm. and in this chapter, it's, uh, it's like a, it's like the first book where Sanderson would like leave these little trails for us, yep. right? He would say mm-hmm. Soulcaster in one chapter. Mm-hmm. And in the next chapter, he would say a Soulcaster does this. It can turn something from this material to this material. And in the next chapter, you have Navani or you have Yasna wearing one, using one. So he's like left us these clues in order for us to learn little bit by little bit something that's coming up. And like mm. these last bunch of chapters in this part, you know, um, uh, uh, Yasna's reading the, um, the transcript from Talonel. And Talonel is right. saying, um, I wonder if Ishar ever figured out a way to be able to conserve information. And then you have moments where Yasna right. and Kaladin are like, man, it would have been really cool if we could yeah. have learned from the old Radiance and what they knew. Right. So Sanderson was already telling us ahead of time that this was going to happen. Right? right. And it's Renarin who makes the discovery. Yeah. Dude, Renarin for the right. win again, bro. Renarin for the win, man. MVP yeah. for sure. Yeah, he's awesome. Thank okay, God let's, for let's... <laughs> It was so cute. I, I, I don't know if you were thinking the same thing, but it was bringing big smiles to my faces, to my multiple faces. <laughs> um... <laughs> you got Shalon over here. I've got Shalon over here, yeah. Um, it was uh, so cute to imagine them so young. Yeah. Like, you know, playing with swords. Little and, baby Adolin. There's something about it that's really kind of, and, and it's also kind of interesting to get those flashbacks because then you, it feels kind of safe because you know that the boys grow up. Right. And you know they're going to be okay. So, Even though Evie brought them to war, they're going to be okay. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I still don't know what's what's going to happen. It's kind of it's night- kind of oh, and then the, the Night Watcher is just mentioned like, oh yeah, j- just tell the Night Watcher I, I'm not to be disturbed. Right. What? Crazy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So th- let's let's get into it because there's a lot to talk about in these chapters okay. here. Okay. So chapter fifty-two. After his father. Mm-hmm. After his father. Okay. We we get uh, a flashback eighteen and a half years ago. Dalinar plods back into camp so tired that he suspected only the energy of his plate was keeping him upright. Mm-hmm. Each muggy breath inside the helm fogged the metal, which as always went somewhat transparent from the inside when you engaged the visor. Mm-hmm. He'd crushed the Herdasians, sending them back to start a civil war, securing the Alethi lands to the north, and claiming the island of Akak. Now he'd moved southward, to engage the Vedans at the border 
Her daz had taken far longer than Delinar had expected. He'd been out on campaign a total of four years now. Right. Four glorious years. Yeah. So I, I like a couple of things here. I like the fact that Sanderson mm. has um, skipped ahead of a little bit of time. Mm. Last time we had a flashback, Gavilar said, I'm sending you to go quelch this uprising right. in Herdaz. And then after that, I want you to fight on the border against the Vedans. They are encroaching on our land. And he skips the whole Herdaz thing, like literally in one paragraph, it's done. Right. Um, but I, I, I like it because it means that the Blackthorn has been satiated for four years of using the thrill, going to war and getting exactly what he was pining for the last chapter we read about the Blackthorn. Right. You know what I mean? The other thing I like. And also it. No, go ahead. Go go ahead. ahead. Well, it, it, it's also in dealing with, with that material in that way, what it communicates is this is, uh, this is what the Blackthorn can do. Right. We don't need to cover it. We don't need the details. We already we know. We already know. Mm-hmm. Now, what can't he do? Right. That's that's what's more important. Right. So so yeah, you're right. It's 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 kind of neat how it just sort of skips past all of that battle mm-hmm. for glorious years. This is the Blackthorn reveling in this. Right. And there's much of this chapter that backs that up. Yeah. He's over um, and over. He spends a lot of this chapter here exhausted and tired mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. fulfilled and satisfied you know but what I mean? also and with the thrill present yeah it stays with you yeah with the whole him. time yeah after the battle yeah. yeah um also um he claimed the island of akak i wonder what the mm-hmm. island of akak looks like i wonder if it looks like akak all right let's move on <laughs> a little uh, potty humor dalinar walked straight to his armorer's tent picking up attendants and messengers along the way. When he ignored their questions, they trailed after him like Kremlings eyeing a great shell's kill, mm-hmm. waiting for their moment to snatch a tidbit. Inside the tent, he extended his arms to the sides and let the armorers start the disassembly, helm then arms, revealing the gambeson he wore for padding. Mm-hmm. The helm's removal, removal exposed sweaty, clammy skin that made the air feel too cold. The breastplate was cracked along the left side, and the armors buzzed about discussing the repair as if they had to do something other than merely give the plate stormlight and let it regrow itself. I kind of like that. They're like busying about what to do, but mm-hmm. really it's all taken care of. But they want to act like they're doing something, around, right. I guess, around the Blackthorn mm-hmm. or whatnot. He makes people nervous. He d- I mean, which, which I. Wouldn't you be nervous? His own son salutes rather than hugs him. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that I feel though really shows Adolin's character. Well, a- yeah, cause it's discussed that Adolin and the, and Evie kind of talked about. Right. What's the best way to bond with him? Right. Yeah. And that's what was decided. Yeah. So he went with it. So I like it. I think also, it's cute. It, it's it's cute, but also for me, it it also felt a bit sad mm-hmm. because that's the relationship between you and your father. Right, right. It's about duty or respect or this this. I mean, I guess this um, participation in in the military yeah. at that age. You know, it it just it seemed very. 
it, it felt too soon for me yeah, as I, a first-time reader. I, I, I like it. I think I'm actually going to get my kids to start saluting me instead of hugs. Like, <laughs> when they're like, Daddy! And I'm like, no, 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 come on, at attention. And they're going to have to do the salute, and it'll definitely crush all know. the it, loving it feels a bit. It feels a bit Maria answering to the dog whistle and sound of music she's like no no it's not for me yeah <laughs> let's put that whistle this whole away. saluting thing yeah, the yeah. von trap no i'm out i can't i can't do this I, i'm shutting this i'm sh- i'm shutting that stuff down <laughs> got these little kids kurt whatever yeah do, he's sal- saluting i am Fritz, 15 no. going on uh, okay <laughs> okay so he felt too cold breastplate was cracked they're buzzing about Making a big fuss. Eventually, all that remained here were his boots, Mm -hmm. which he stepped out of, maintaining a martial posture by pure force of will because he's so exhausted. Yeah. Taking his armor off. Right. The support of his plate removed, exhaustion spren began to shoot up around him like jets of dust. Okay, I want to talk about something here. Mm -hmm. He stepped over to a set of, of travel cushions and sat down. Reclining against them, sighing and closing his eyes. Does plate suppress spren? I think plate, shard plate suppresses exhaustion spren. Because it's almost like, it's, there's so much power in it, it mm-hmm. can kind of keep you awake. It's like okay. a, it's like a double shot of espresso every time you put on the plate. Like it just gives you some, some energy because you're like, vibrating with power inside so it's hard to be tired when you're in it but as soon as you right. can take it off i mean it makes sense that he's and he's also exhausted because he's had a full day of of slaughtering and being the blackthorn right 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 well he um he gets a, a voice here who comes up to him bright lord one of the armorers asked um that's where we set this is now my audience tent dalinar says Take what is absolutely essential and leave me. The clanking of armor stopped as the workers digested what he'd said. They left in a whispering rush, and nobody else bothered him for a blissful five minutes, until footfalls sounded nearby, tent flaps rustled, and then leather scrunched as someone knelt beside him. Yeah, because normally he'd come into this tent get the armor taken off, and then he'd move mm-hmm. from this tent into an audience tent where he'd have his reports come in and his soldiers tell Reception. him about how the battle yeah, yeah. went and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's like, I am so fucking tired, guys. This is yeah. now my reception tent. Yeah. So take all the armor out of here. You guys are going to have to be the ones that move because I cannot yeah. move right now. I'm yeah, so he's tired. Feeling, he's feeling, I mean, to, to go back to your, uh, to your akak for me, he's feeling, he's pooped. Yeah, he's, he's a little poopy. Yeah. He's, he's, he's tuckered. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a, he's a tired boy. He's, he's had a big day. He's, yeah. He's had a big day. He literally fell asleep eating his spaghetti and his face is in his place, the spaghetti. And he's like, Oh, look how cute that is. Everyone take a picture. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. He's tuckered right out. This guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the final battle report is here. Bright Lord. Kadash's. This was Kadash's voice. Of course it would be one of his storming officers. Dalinar had trained them far too well. Ah. Mm-hmm. I like this too. Mm-hmm. I like this. Train them far too well. And I guess what I want to say to you here again is if Dalinar in the future becomes a problem. You know, he trained his men far too well. Mm-hmm. 
I understand what you're saying. I think in this moment he's frustrated because a part of him wishes he didn't trade him so well so he could be left alone longer. I know. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just doing, I'm just doing my thing. <laughs> I'm Speak. just doing my thing. Speak, says Dalinar, opening his eyes. Kadash had reached middle age, maybe two or three years older than Dalinar, and he now had a twisting scar across his face and head from where a spear had hit him. I like this little description to remind us that hanging around the Blackthorn, you were not necessarily getting through this experience unscathed. Yeah, for sure. It it will change you. Mm-hmm. It's also a good timeline for us to remember that Kadash is still with him and part mm-hmm. of his elites, and he mm-hmm. will leave him for the Ardentia eventually. Something horrific will happen that Kadash cannot look past. And right, and and we don't really know could what be, that is. Could be Evie. Could have something to do with Evie. Could it could have something to do with Evie? Yeah, because when yeah. Kadash brings it up in the present time in this book, Kadash brings it up to Dalinar, and that's when Dalinar starts having memories of Evie. So the two could mm-hmm. be linked, right? Yeah, we completely routed them, Bright Lord. Kadash says our archers and light infantry followed with an extended parry. We slew by best count two thousand. Nearly half. We could have gotten more if we'd boxed them into the south. Never box in an enemy, Kadash. You want them to be able to retreat, or they'll fight you worse for it. A rout will serve us better than an extermination. How many people did we lose? Barely two hundred. Mm-hmm. Don't you love this from Dalinar? Don't box in an enemy? Yeah. It's, I, I love it. It's, it's my mini highlight. Could even be my highlight for this chapter, but... On top of Renarin? Well, okay. Obviously Renarin. Uh, Renarin. Okay. But Don't Box Your Enemy in is very sound tactical. It's it's really, it's tactical. It's sound. It's also, like, it it rises above extermination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not just the Blackthorn going absolutely crazy, the thrill and um, everyone must die. It's not that. This is calculated. It is... You know, it's it sounds like a um a warlord with you know, some measure to the tactic yeah. and the extent to which you're you're wanting to go. It sounds like a bit of control. That's why I liked it. Mm-hmm. Like he hasn't lost it completely <clears throat> on the battlefield. Right. Yeah. Right. Dalinar nodded minimal losses while delivering a devastating blow. Sir, Kadash says, I'd say this raiding group is done for. We've still got many more to dig out. This will last years yet. Unless the Vedans send in an entire army and engage us in force. They won't, Dalinar said, rubbing his forehead. Their king is too shrewd. It isn't full-on war that he wants. He only wanted to see if any contested land had suddenly become uncontested. Mm-hmm. Yes, Bright Lord. So this whole skirmish is a high prince basically testing to see are you willing to defend this yeah i guess so so okay oh i didn't realize i didn't realize sorry isn't that crazy like just the opportunistic kind Mm -hmm. of element to it like i have to admit like it's really hard to like the high princes it really is it really is well these these aren't the alethi high princes this is the uh high princess uh, the the king from yakoved right king from yakoved but they have the same kind of system in place they have high princes and all that kind of stuff basically Yeah, it's it's just hard to like that sort of yeah. thing. 
Okay. Um, they won't. Yes, Bright Lord. Thank you for the report. Now get out of here and post some storming guards at the front so I can get some rest. Don't let anyone in, not even the Night Watcher herself. Mm-hmm. Now, does that imply that the Night Watcher is present? No. Or is he saying it more no, like... No, it just... I think he's saying... Even if, even if you know, the Lord Almighty yeah, showed yeah, up, yeah, don't... Exactly. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah. And, okay. like, it's funny that he uses the Night Watcher because eventually he'll go see her, right? Right. Yeah, it's it's really interesting that the that he uses the that entity as an example of <laughs> who to not let in. Yes, sir, Kadesh. Crossed the tent uh, to the flaps. Um, sir, you were incredible out there. You were like a tempest. Dalinar just closed his eyes and leaned back, fully determined to fall asleep in his clothing. Sleep, unfortunately, refused to come. The report set his mind to considering its implications. His army had only one soulcaster for emergencies, which meant supply trains. These borderlands were expansive and hilly, and the Vedans had better generals than the Herdesians. Defeating a mobile enemy was going to be hard in such circumstances as this first battle proved. It would take planning, maneuvering, and skirmish after skirmish to pin the various groups of Vedans down and bring them into proper battle. So you and I have talked about this before, about how logistics is the way to win war. For sure. Right. And so that's what we're getting here. And, a little. and it shows how important these soulcasters are to mm-hmm. the Alethi armies. He yearned for those early days when their fights had been more rowdy and less coordinated. <laughs> so think about that. Mm-hmm. He wants it to be more rowdy and less, less coordinated. Yeah, more barbaric fighting than it yeah. is. Yeah. Well, just frenetic chaos, maybe more challenging. Mm-hmm. I guess so maybe he eventually does horn. get this kind of war when they fight against the Parshendi on the Shattered Plains because mm-hmm. it is less coordinated. It's these right. mad scrambles to get to the gem hearts first. And then like the, you know, the Parshendi don't necessarily fight like a classic army does fight. So things are a little more rowdy that way. Eventually he does get this. He does get this. Well, he wasn't a youth anymore. And he'd learned in her daz that he no longer had Gavilar to do the hard parts of this job. Dalinar had camps to supply, men to feed and logistics to work out. This was almost as bad as being back in the city, listening to scribes talk about sewage disposal save for one difference out here he had a reward mm-hmm. at the end of all the planning and the strategy and the debates with generals came the thrill mm-hmm. it's all the logistics you need to do to get high <laughs> you know what i mean yeah you gotta go get the pot you gotta grind it up you gotta roll the <laughs> joint and then you get to smoke it and then you get yeah so the thrill, uh, you know, this is, have we seen the, have we so far in this series, have we seen the thrill be an actual problem? Um, where as a reader, you're like, that's, that's problematic. Yeah. We, uh, Dalinar, <clears throat> experiences it on the Shattered Plains in the first book. He's fully in the thrill. And he's fighting and fighting mm-hmm. and fighting. And that's when he kills that young Parshendi boy. And he realizes like, right. I could have just like shoot him right. away. I didn't need to slaughter him. And that's when he starts to vomit and he can't. And then he can't from that moment on, he can't stomach right. the thrill anymore. 
Right. Right. So it it has become a problem, but in his life at this point, it's not a problem. It is pure joy. In fact, the, uh, through his exhaustion, he was surprised to find that he could sense it still, deep down, like a warmth of a rock that had known a recent fire. He was glad that the fighting had dragged on all these years, and he was glad that the Herdesians had tried to seize that land, and that now the Vedans wanted to test him. He was glad that the other high prince weren't sending aid, but waiting to see what he could accomplish on his own. Most of all, he was glad that despite today's important battle, the conflict was not over. Mm -hmm. He loved this feeling. Today, hundreds had tried to bring him down, and he'd left them ashen and broken. Mm -hmm. Wow. Most of all, he was glad that despite today's important battle, the conflict was not over. Right. He wants it. He wants a never-ending war. And if, if other Alethi are like this with the thrill, it makes sense why their past has been war-filled for so long, because they just keep wanting the thrill. So people in charge are like, let's keep fighting. Let's fight this guy. Let's fight these guys. We're just constantly in battle because they're constantly mm-hmm. addicted to the thrill. We're getting like a small example of a larger problem with this culture. Part of me is wondering if his internal struggle, like his, his feelings for Navani, right? Mm-hmm. So an unrequited love that I think as readers, we can assume right now, 18 years ago, is in full effect. I, like he has feelings for Navani. I mean, how often with in the Evie. last couple of flashback chapters has he really mentioned her? What, Navani? Yeah. This chapter... And then the last chapter, oh. he's really more focused on getting the thrill. He's not really mentioning so you the think So you think his, his, his feelings happen later I, after this? No, no, no. I think he had feelings. He still has feelings for her. He was really more troubled by them earlier, but now he's not troubled mm-hmm. by anything because he has something to fill that hole, the thrill. Mm. Okay. The thrill I is guess, his I true think, mistress. I think, I think where I was going with it. I think where I was going with it is that, you know, he feels, he feels this conflict mm-hmm. all the time because he's with someone that he can't, that he doesn't really want to be with. Right. And the only thing that makes sense for him is to be in conflict. I, I, I wish that we had more of that in these chapters. I just don't see it. He's not sitting pining about Navani. He's no, no, pining just, to I'm get saying, the thrill. Do you know what I mean? You're right. Right. But I think like, I don't know. It must be very unsettling, yeah, for him, for sure. And I and I'm not uh, not diminishing his uh, his heartache or the way he feels. Clearly, when he almost went too far, while he had the thrill in him, and he almost killed Gavilar, it was definitely spurred upon by jealousy and all this stuff, right? But right, but I don't. I, I he hasn't. Other than Evie mentioning uh, Navani coming up here, she's not mentioned in these last two flashbacks at all. Uh, not yeah. by him at all. It's just, you know, it's, it, it appears that now that Navani's in his life, um, in older age, he, uh, does not feel the need for, for the thrill. That's true. But I, uh, getting back to what I said earl- a little bit earlier, he gave up the thrill before mm-hmm. things started with Navani. Right. You know what That's I mean? That's true. So. Yeah. Maybe he, yeah, he maybe did. he couldn't have had something with Navani if he was still with the thrill. Do you know what I mean? Like he would have, 
Like maybe he, yeah. maybe she wouldn't have wanted to be with him if she constantly saw him the way he was when he's hungering for the battle and wanting, you know what I mean? Like maybe it's not, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. That's. I wonder what Nirvani would think about all that. Right. Actually. Exactly. So that's it's that's or, d- difficult because that's not in the pages. That's just us talking, right? So hard to yeah, gauge right. how that would how that would have gone down. Okay. Outside his tent, people demanded his attention. They were turned away one after the other. He tried not to feel pleasure each time. He would answer their questions eventually, just not now. Thoughts finally released their grip on his brain, and he dipped towards slumber until one unexpected voice jerked him out of it and sent him bolting upright. Mm -hmm. And that was Evie. He leapt to his feet. The thrill surged again within him, drawn out of its own slumber. Dalinar, see, to me, like like the thrill surging in her presence, it's like, I feel like the thrill wants to eliminate Evie. Hmm. That's, That's what I feel. Because it's just, it's such a weird thing to have at the ready with Dalinar in that moment. We know that it's not coming upon him out of nowhere. It's been sitting in him since the battle. I know. So it's there at the I know, ready, but right? Just, it surged again, see? But you're right. It, it did surge, to his feet. Yeah. That was Evie. It surges again within him, drawn out of its own slumber. Mm-hmm. So it was in him sleeping. Evie shows up and then it surges again. Mm-hmm. See, I don't know. She it's, does it, something later on here, I think, right? When she like rubs his back or something and it finally goes away. He's finally able to goes let away. go of the thrill. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. so you're right. There is, I think it is tied a little bit. Like maybe thematically it's tied. I, I, I personally for me, I, I think it is. I think there's something about the thrill that wants to eliminate Evie or a subconscious of Dalinar that also wants to eliminate Evie because he's he's not in a marriage that he wants to be in. Dalinar ripped open the tent's front flaps and gaped at the blonde-haired woman standing outside, wearing a Vorin Hava, but with sturdy walking boots sticking out below. Ah, Evie says, husband. She looked him up and down, and her expression soured. Her lips were puckering. Has no person seen fit to order him a bath? Where are his grooms to see him undressed properly? Why are you here? Dalinar demanded. He hadn't intended to roar it, but he was so tired and so shocked. Mm-hmm. So his first words to her are, why are you here? Yeah, not hello or... Not, exa- not exactly hi, honey. <laughs> no, it's definitely not <laughs> hi, How are honey. you? So glad to see you. Um, did you have a nice trip getting here? Nothing like that. <laughs> why are you here? What the actual fuck, Evie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much... Yeah. yeah, there's the paraphrase. I think that's what... Brandon uh, might have originally he wrote and said, if no, no. Yeah, if he has used more potty language like that, he would have said that for sure. <laughs> Evie leans back before the outburst, her eyes opening wide. He briefly felt a spike of shame, as he should. But why should he? This was his war camp. Here he was the Black Thorn. This was the place where his domestic life should have no purchase on him. By coming here, she has invaded that. Mm-hmm. Again, she's an enemy invaded. This is loaded language. Yeah, He is, I don't know, like the thrill, he is looking, he is creating an enemy in Evie. In his mind, he is looking for that opportunity, I think. Right. I really do. Um, 
I, Evie says, I, well, the other women are at the camp. Other wives. It is common for women to go to war. Alethi women, Dalinar snaps, trained to it from childhood and acquainted with the ways of warfare. We spoke of this, Evie. We, he halted, looking at the guards, and they shuffled uncomfortably. Come inside, Evie, Dalinar says. Let's discuss this in private. Very well. And the children? You brought the, our children to the battlefront? Storm, she didn't even have the sense to leave them at the town ar- at the town the army was using as a long-term command post. She starts to speak again. I, he just says, in, and pointing at the tent. Mm-hmm. Evie wilted and scuttled to obey, cringing as she passed him. See, you know, it's this fear thing. Even she fears him. Mm-hmm. Especially in this moment, I mean, she shows up. Can somebody get him a bath? Everyone and then he fears quickly, him. Everyone fears him. Yeah. I also think it's kind of interesting that she refers to him as husband. Yeah. Doesn't call him Dalinar. Doesn't call him a term of endearment. Doesn't say sweetie or no sweetie. Love muffin. No, There's no love and muffins. No Blackthorn. No. It's just, well, she doesn't say Blackthorn. Husband. Yeah. Oh, Blacky Thorny. <laughs> that had been recent, he was sure. Oh, sorry. Why hadn't... Sorry, why had she come? Hadn't he just been back to Kolinar to visit? That had been recent, he was sure. Or maybe not so recent. He did have several letters from Evie that Taleb's wife had read to him with several more waiting to be read. He dropped the flaps back into position and turned toward Evie, determined not to let his frayed patience rule him. Mm-hmm. Navani said I should come, Evie said. She said it was shameful that you have waited so long between visits. Adolin has gone over a year without seeing you, Dalinar, and little Renarin has never seen or met his father. I think it's interesting that Navani said you really should go see yeah, him. Yeah, well, we said we'd talk about this. So you think that this kind of maybe amplifies well, okay. some of your feelings Let's, about Navani? Let, right. So first of all, I get it. My, my whole silly... Um, Navani thing. Right. Okay. Is silly and overblown. I get it. Okay. But I'm but glad you can, I'm glad you can say it out loud. It is. Okay. okay I, I get it. All right. Like, you know, she wore red or she said this or blah, blah. I forget all the little tidbits yep. that I She's got purple eyes. She said on. she's got violet eyes. Does that mean something? And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> she takes two sugar in her coffee. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. Dun, dun. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I, there's something, I just, I, I like the sleeping giant kind of element in a story and, you know, um, someone who's like a mastermind putting all the pieces like a, in like place. Like a phantom menace almost? Like a, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like some kind of menace, uh, but not, uh, Like a shadowy more menace? Ethereal. Like a- <laughs> yeah. More, not, not material. More like a. Like a spook or a specter. Yeah. So, do no, you no, think that, that Navani doing this is Look, I'm just encouraging saying... Evie to do the thing that Dalinar <laughs> to annoy, clearly won't to annoy like. him, to annoy him, to annoy him, to bring about a divorce, to bring about Dalinar being unhappy with her, at at the very least, or or even so far as to put her in danger. I don't know. I just I think there's two ways there, to look at I, it. And I don't think that you're wrong in thinking that Navani could have manipulated Evie into doing this to mm-hmm. make things frayed between them. 
I don't think that that is un, undeniable because we know in the future, she says, you know, I've always had feelings for you. Even when you were with right. her, even when I was with your brother, that whole time right. I did things for, right. you know, political reasons and power reasons, right. but I still had feelings for you. She admits it. Right. So I think it's very possible. I also think it's possible that knowing she cares about Dalinar, mm-hmm. it's important for Dalinar to have his kids and someone like Evie around him when he's at war. For the reasons that Evie's going to show in a minute here, when she rubs his shoulders and the thrill goes away, Navani might know Dalinar better than Dalinar knows himself, and he needs a support system while he's out oh, there. That would be, that would be better. And a great political player does it for both reasons. A great political player? Like Navani is, uh, you know, like, let's, let's put right. it out there. Navani's a genius. It wouldn't yes. be, you know, um... It wouldn't, it would be smart of her to do it for both reasons. Dalinar needs right. a support system while he's out there. And also mm-hmm. this is going to piss him off a little bit and it, that'll be fun for her too. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I, I like what you're putting down. I like this idea that Navani is bringing Evie and the kids there, urging it because it's good for Dalinar. Mm-hmm. It's also good for the kids that, to be around their dad. Yeah. 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 Okay. You've calmed me back down. All right. That's good. Hey, I like it. That feels almost as good as when you're like, you're the highlight. And you're the highlight. And little Renarin has never seen his dad. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. This, this, this little feller. Renarin, Dalinar says, trying to work out the name. He hadn't picked that. Wrecker. No. Ray. Ray, Evie says, from my language, Nar after his father and in to be born unto. Stormfather, that was a butchering of the language. Dalinar fumbled, trying to work through it. Nar meant like unto? What does re mean in your language? Dalinar asked, scratching his face. It has no meaning, Evie said. It is simply the name. It means our son's name, or him. Dalinar groaned softly, so the child's name was like one who was born unto himself? Delightful. So, not exactly happy with the name choice here, um, but he was trying to remember a name that he might have given to him, mm-hmm. but couldn't get it out. Yeah. Hmm. Like one who was born onto himself. Yeah. Making him like a one of a kind person. Like one who was born unto himself. So like, you know, are we talking... Um, well, is there a deeper meaning here to Renarin's name with what little information we have about who Renarin is as a person in the future? Like one who is born unto himself, just born. Are you, you're not suggesting immaculate conception here, are you? No, no, of course not. Um, I, okay. I think that, uh, or, or are you suggesting that he just appeared? <laughs> Like just, he just materialized. It's, uh, yeah, he's Anakin. He's the chosen yeah. one. Yeah, he's the chosen one. There was one. no father. Really? There was no father? No. Really you never went okay. over to Moss Eisley and just got it on with somebody? Nope, never. <laughs> never did that. No, I swear to, I swear I never That's did. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh, it's, it's oh, interesting. Shmi. It's a, it's a confusing, it's a confusing little name for 
a unknown, confusing little man that we learn later on. We still don't know very much about Renarin, and I kind of like the symmetry there. Is there more to that? Like one who is born unto himself? I, I, I feel like it's gobbledygook. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Like, like mm-hmm. one who was born unto himself. There's no... It doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. But neither does Renarin. You didn't answer, Evie pointed out, when I asked after a name via span read. How had Navani and Ile allowed this travesty of a name? Storms, knowing those two, they'd probably encouraged it. They were always trying to get Evie to be more forceful. See? Hmm. To be more forceful. See? I don't know. I don't know. There's, there, these are my little tidbits. He, mo- he moved to get something to... He moved to get something to drink, but then remembered that this wasn't actually his tent. See, I could, do, I could do the same thing you drink, just did. But armor oil. I could totally what? do the same thing you just did. He moved what? to get something to drink. See? I could say C at the end of a statement, too. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Look, they were, they were always trying to get Evie to be more forceful. Well, she's, I don't know. she's super just... timid. Okay. All right. Yeah. It could just be that. Yep. All right. All right. You shouldn't have come, Dalinar says. It's dangerous out here. I wish to be more a more Alethi wife. I want you to want me to be with you. He winced. Mm-hmm. Well, you still should not have brought the children. They are heirs to the princedom, assuming this plan of Gavilar's with the crown lands and his own throne works out. They need to remain safe in Kolinar. I thought that you would want to see them, Evie says, stepping up to him. Despite his harsh words, she unbuckled the top of his gambeson to get her hands under it and began rubbing his shoulders, and it felt wonderful. He let his anger melt away, and it would be good to have a wife with him. To scribe as was proper, he just wished that he didn't feel so guilty at seeing her. He was not the man she wanted him to be. He was not the man she wanted him to be. A good man. Right. So maybe that's part part of it too. He doesn't want his family around while he's blackthorning it up. Probably. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on here, I think. And it's not just one thing. Mhm. I hear you had a great victory today, Evie said softly. You do service to the king. You'd have hated it, Evie. I killed hundreds of people. If you stay, you'll have to listen to war reports, accounts of deaths and many at my hand. She was silent for a time, and then said, Could you not let them surrender to you? The Vedans aren't here to surrender. They're here to test us on the battlefield. And the individual men? Do they care for such reasoning as they die? What? Would you like me to stop and ask each man to surrender as I prepare to strike him down? Would that... No, Evie, that wouldn't work. Oh, she said. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like a paladin. In D and D, every time yeah. you get into a fight, do you surrender? Yeah. No. All right yeah. then. <laughs> but yeah. like a paladin would give every dude, <laughs> like every right. enemy, the option of surrendering. Right. He stood up suddenly, anxious. Let's see the boys then. Leaving his tent and crossing the camp was a slog. His feet feeling like they'd been encased in blocks of creme. He didn't dare slouch. He always tried to present a strong image for the men and women of the army, but he couldn't help that. 
His padded garb was wrinkled and stained with sweat. Mm. The land here was lush compared to Kolinar. Thick grass, sturdy stands of trees, tangled vines. There were places farther into Yakoved where you couldn't take a step without vines writhing under your feet. Mm-hmm. The boys were by Evie's wagons. Little Adolin was terrorizing one of the chulls, perched atop its shell and swinging a wooden sword, showing off for several of the other guards who dutifully complimented his moves. He'd somehow assembled armor from strings and bits of broken rockbud shell. I took this to be Renarin being very resourceful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like making do. Storms he'd grown, Dalinar thought. When he'd last seen Adolin, the child had still looked like a toddler, stumbling through his words. Little over a year later, the boy spoke clearly and dramatically. As he described his fellow enemies, they were apparently evil flying chulls. He stopped when he saw Dalinar, then he glanced at Evie. She nodded, and the child scrambled down from the chull. Dalinar was certain he'd fall at three different points, but he got down safely and walked over (laughs) and saluted. Evie beamed. He asked the best way to talk to you. She whispered, I told him you were a general, the leader of all the soldiers. He came up with that on his own. Yeah. He came up with that on his (laughs) own. On his own, yeah. To to salute him. Yeah. Yeah. Dalinar squatted down, little Aelin immediately shied back, reaching for his mother's skirts. Afraid of me? Dalinar asked. Not unwise. I'm a dangerous man. Daddy? The boy said, holding to the skirt with one knuckled, one white-knuckled hand, but not hiding. Yes, don't you remember me? Hesitantly, the motley-haired boy nodded. I remember you. We talk about you every night when we burn prayers. So you will be safe, fighting bad men. I'd prefer to be safe from the good ones, too, Dalinar said, <laughs> though I will take what I am offered. He stood up, feeling... What, shame? To not have seen the boy as often as he should have? Pride at how the boy was growing? The thrill still squirming deep down. How had it not dissipated since the battle? I love this here when he says, um, you know, we, uh, we pr- burn prayers for you every night, so you will be sa- safe fighting bad men. And he says, I prefer to be mm-hmm. safe from the good ones too, because Dalinar right. can be the bad man too, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, it's a good line. <laughs> I want to be safe from myself, right? Yeah, yeah. It's weird. Like Dalinar is a bit like he's kind of a bit like a like a Dracula uh, sort of a character. Mm-hmm. Like he's got immense power, can be used for a great evil. He's got this. I don't know. There's, there's just, there's just, I guess there's something just so tragic about it. For sure. All. Where is your brother, Adolin? Dalinar asks. The boy pointed toward a nurse who carried a little one. Dalinar had expected a baby, but this child could, be, could nearly walk, as evidenced by the nurse putting him down and watching fondly as he toddled. A few steps and then sat down, trying to grab blades of grass as they pulled away. The child made no sounds. He just stared solemn as he tried to grip blade after blade. Very hyper-focused. Dalinar waited for the excitement he'd felt before 
upon meeting Aelin for the first time, but storms he was just so tired. Can I see your sword? Aelin asked. Dalinar wanted nothing more than to sleep, but he summoned the blade anyway, driving it into the ground with the edge pointed away from Aelin. The boy's eyes grew wide. Mommy says I can't have my plate yet. Taleb needs it. You can have it when you come of age. Good. I'll need it to win a, uh, to win a blade. Nearby, Evie clicked her tongue, softly shaking her head. Dalinar smiled, kneeling beside his blade and resting his hand on the small boy's shoulder. I'll win you one in war, son. No, I want to win my own, like you did. A worthy goal, mm -hmm. his father says. But a soldier needs to be willing to accept help. You mustn't be hard-headed. Pride doesn't win battles. The boy cocked his head, frowning. Your head isn't hard. He wrapped his knuckles against his own. Dalinar smiled and then stood up and dismissed Oathbringer. The last embers of the thrill finally faded. It's been a long day, he told Evie. I need to rest. We'll discuss your role here later. Evie led him to a bed within one of her storm wagons. Then, at last, Dalinar was able to sleep. Mm -hmm. And there's our chapter. So yeah, he when he finally dismisses when he dismisses the blade again, the thrill mm. finally goes away. Finally goes away. He, yeah. he says earlier that when she starts to um, massage his back, his anger mm -hmm. starts to, uh, to to let go. To let go. So yeah. like he was angry that whole time, and she starts to like wear down a little bit of that anger as uh, as he's giving her uh, he's giving she's giving him a back rub. But it's funny mm -hmm. that the, 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 the thrill fades as he gets rid of that blade. Right. But he didn't have it with him. He had to just summon it just now to show the boy, to show Adolin. Mm -hmm. So it's just funny mm -hmm. that it kind of coincided with that. So what's your highlight? I mean, I, I really like it when he sits down or he kneels down to him and he says, um... He says, uh, are you afraid of me? Protection from, not, from the good well, ones? Yeah, he says, it's the oh. two things that he says when he says, afraid of me? Yeah. Not unwise. I'm a dangerous man. And then when he says, well, yeah. we've been praying for you against the bad guys. And he's all like, yeah, well, pray yeah. for me against the good ones too. And it gets right. back to the whole, That's like, a great I am, you know, all the good men are dead. All you have is me. Like it gets back mm -hmm. to that kind of m m mm -hmm. thing that sometimes, sometimes you can't use a hero. Sometimes you need the Blackthorn. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I love it a lot. It's really cool. Yeah. What, what about great. you? What's your highlight? Well, I think I'll, I'll share that one with you for sure. Um, you mentioned one earlier in the chapter two. I also... The, I, don't box them in. Don't box them in. I, I quite like that. And I also like Adolin uh, wanting to win his own sword. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to, I want to do it on my own. And the, 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 wanna, the or rather, the, I want to try to earn it. I want the opportunity to, 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 to do it myself. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, suit of armor that the, um, that Evie and her brother brought over mm. from their country, um, it goes to Adolin. Right. Right. So he's saying like, where's my armor? Right. <laughs> he's, he's like six or whatever. He's like, where's my armor? And he's, and he says, Taleb needs it. So do we know Taleb's fate? Yeah. Taleb's dead now. Cause he died at the battle of the, uh, the Everstorm. He was right. like the, one of the main, uh, um, people in Dalinar's retinue. Like he was one of his main dudes. Right. He was like Riker, except less Jeez. good looking, just really less good looking than Riker. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, so that's his wow, like that's his that's, that's his guy, right? So, what do you make of these? Uh, the, so, in between these two chapters, mm-hmm. we get we get a page of some really interesting work here. Yeah, you want to talk about this? Yeah, we can talk about it for a couple minutes here. There's a lot, okay. a lot on this page. There is a lot. Yeah, and I'm kind of confused by a lot of it. To be to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think it really gets into great detail about the subtleties between these glyphs Mm -hmm. and how, I guess, they mean, sorry, they mean different things with the different patterns that are presented. Right. And it's not meant to be seen as a letter. It's meant to be seen as, well, it's more like a symbol. Yeah. Yeah. And it has like a feeling behind it too. mm Mm-hmm. No, I thought this was really, really cool. Now, is it is it the kind of thing... So there's a breakdown with an alphabet mm-hmm. of each of these little components. Is there a, a way to maybe read all of this as, as words? I think so. Wow. Yeah, I think so. There is definitely... So if we were to take the time to like try to go through this... There are some nerds somewhere who are way nerdier than us that... You know, um, in the same vein as can, you know, speak Klingon or read, uh, Elvish, they can read glyphs and, you know, this is, uh, this is Sanderson's version of, of that, right? Of that. That and the woman's script, which is like that, um, those lines that look like the, that looks like like the audio pulses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. there's ways of reading that too, I think. Mm -hmm. I, um, have never... I don't think I've ever really truly read this whole page. I've listened to it on Audible because someone else is reading yeah. it, but man, it's tedious. Like I, I, I struggle with this page too. Well, we, we, we don't have to cover it right now if you want, but I, I have, I just, I, what I was wondering mm-hmm. is if, is can the symbols be broken down into lines and do they read, uh, trying to take these, uh, bits and associate them with the, with the letters. And then if it gives you more info. I think so. That's what um, I actually, how about we do this? How about we leave it up to the listeners to reach out and tell us uh, mm. as much as they know about glyphs and whether or not they actually could be read. We've been kind of doing this the last few episodes where we've been kind of throwing it out to the, um, the public and getting them to kind of respond with their opinions and all that stuff. It's yeah. been really great. It's been actually um, uh, creating lots of engagement. So yeah. Um, oh, so reach good. out to us and let us know what you think about this glyph page and whether you find it. I think it's really, I think it's really cool. I was, I was reading through it, but again, I wasn't sure about like the, like the changes between old, middle and modern and how that's applied is this is, are these all like Vedan glyphs or Alethi glyphs? These are Alethi glyphs, I think. These are Alethi, okay. But I think that um, I think I think it's very possible that the Vedans use the same the same like alphabet for the glyphs. Mm. See, it says I suspect these were borrowed from an earlier source and incorporated into an already developing Alethi glyph lexicon. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. Okay, chapter 53, such a twisted cut. Mhm. What a really great Begins. chapter. Yeah, this is this is this is <laughs> this is a huge reveal as mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier. It begins with friend your letter is most intriguing, even revelatory. Hmm. 
Very little there, eh? Very little. And a friend. Mm -hmm. If you go on the previous page with the glyphs, it begins the same way. My friend. Mm -hmm. That's true, eh? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So the... Yeah. I don't think I noticed that. This chapter, it begins with the, the ancient Siln dynasty in Yaakoved had been founded after the death of King Nanket. No contemporary accounts survived. The best they had dated from was two centuries later. The author of that text, Natata Ved, often called Oil Eyes by her contemporaries, insisted that her methods were rigorous, although by modern standards, historical scholarship had been in its infancy. Mm -hmm. So are Oil Eyes like Dark Eyes? I guess so. Oil eyes. Well, no, it's um, the um, author of this text, Nata, Natata Ved. Natata Ved. Her, yeah. um, uh, her nickname was Oil Eyes. Right. So do you think that she is a dark eyes? Maybe. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure what it ha it's, uh, um, it's responding to. Mm-hmm. Maybe oil eyes and oil sworn should get like a like get oh, it. Oh, I love the oil sworn. Yeah. Yasna had long been interested in Nanket's death because he'd ruled for only three months. He succeeded to the throne when the previous king, his brother Nanhar, had taken ill and died while on campaign in what would become modern Triax. Remarkably, during the brief span of his reign. Nanket survived six assassination attempts. The first had come from his sister, who had wanted to place her husband on the throne. After surviving poisoning, Nanket had put them both to death. Mm -hmm. Soon after their son had tried to kill him in his bed, Nanket, apparently a light sleeper, struck down his nephew with his own sword. Kind of like Luke Skywalker. Uh, a little bit. Struck down. This is kind of the same. Prof prophetic. It's like a, like a Phantom Menace. Path pathetic, yeah. is that what you said? I just need a moment to get that out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do, Nan we're going to do, uh, you know, we're going to the cottage together soon with Mike, with Craft Master <laughs> Mike. I'm going to bring yeah. a mic and we're going to do a, a state of the empire um, pod where we're going to just rag on Star Wars as much as we want and record it. And record it. It's yeah. just gonna be me going. Ah! <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> gonna be screaming. It'll be me going. No, in pain. Yeah. Uh, Nanket's cousin tried next, and that attack left Nanket blinded in one eye, and was followed by another, a brother, an uncle, and finally Nanket's own son. At the end of three exasperating months, according to Oil Eyes, the great but weary Nanket called for. An accounting of all his household, he gathered them together at a grand feast, promising the delights of distant Amia. Instead, when all were assembled, Nanket had them executed one by one. Their bodies were burned in a grand pyre, upon which was cooked the meat for the feast that he ate alone at a table set for two hundred. Hmm. That is super dark. Yeah. But I mean, you know, what's the, what's the deal? Why does all of your family want to kill you? I guess because you're a dick. That's what happens. 
that's just it. It's the moral just the of the story: don't be a dick. Don't be, or don't, or don't wear a dicky. <laughs> maybe that's uh, what it was. They're like, that's not a real turtleneck. That's that's not a real turtleneck. Stop wearing that. Kill I can't. everyone. Rah. <laughs> 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 Natata Oil Eyes was known to have had a passion for the dramatic. The text sounded almost delighted when she'd explained how he died by choking on the food at that very feast alone, with nobody to help him. That's funny. So that's kind of interesting. So he kills everyone. Yeah. And then chokes. On the food he's eating that he cooked on on the the pyre where he killed everyone. But there's no one around to give him the Heimlich maneuver. Right. It's really a strange story. Yeah. Similar tales repeated themselves throughout the long history of the Voran lands. Kings fell, and their brothers or sons took the throne. Each a pretender of no true lineage would usually claim kinship through oblique and creative genealogical justifications. Yasna was simultaneously fascinated and worried by these accounts. Thoughts about them were unusually present in her mind as she made her way into Urethiru's basement. Something in her readings the night before had lodged this particular story in her brain. She soon peeked into the former library beneath Urethiru, both rooms, one on either side of the hallway, that led to the crystal pillar, were filled with scholars now, occupying tables carried down by squads of soldiers. Dalinar had sent expeditions down the tunnel the unmade had used to flee. The scouts reported a long network of caverns. Mm-hmm. So, I this is, I find it really creepy <laughs> that that she's in this like I don't know. It feels like she's in a dungeon to me. Right? Yeah, she's she's wa- going through. Um, she's on her way to where 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 Ray Shafir was right, right. the unmade, and right. um, she, she's thinking about this like you know, ancient king who killed all of his people. <laughs> killed all of his family. Like all of his friends and shit. Yeah. And, uh, once <laughs> I wanted to bring up one thing cause it, yeah. in, in the words, once he had them all assembled. Okay. Yeah. I just thought of this about, you know, unite them. Once I have them all united and assembled. Now's the time to strike. Now's the time to kill everybody. Right. So I don't know, man. Maybe that's what, uh, the almighty wants for Dalinar is, Maybe it's what the Unite thrill wants and Dalinar kill to do. them all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you, you, you don't think that? No, <laughs> I don't, but okay. that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, following a stream of water, they'd marched for days and eventually located an exit into the mountain foothills of Tufalia. It was nice to know that in a pinch, there was another way out of Urethiru and a potential means of supply other than through the oath gates. This is how the they unmade ma- Reshafir got out. Right. Right? So, right. yeah, it's really yeah. neat. They maintained guards in the upper tunnels, and for now, it seemed safe enough in the basement. Therefore, Navani had transformed the area into a scholarly institute designed to solve Dalinar's problems and to provide an edge in information technology and pure research. Concentration spread rippled in the air like waves overhead, a rarity in Althkar, but common here, and logic spread darted through them, like tiny storm clouds. I love that. I that's such a dig at her own yeah. people. 
that concentration spren was rare in Alvacar. Was rare in Alvacar. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice little dig. Bunch of Luddites. Yeah. Um, Yasna couldn't help but smile. For over a decade, she'd dreamed of uniting the best minds of the kingdom in a coordinated effort. She'd been ignored. All anyone had wanted to discuss was her lack of belief in their god. Well, they were focused now. Turned out that the end of the world had to actually arrive before people would take it seriously. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that about, seems to be endemic in human nature as well. For Just sure. Just it has to get really bad before action's taken. Mm -hmm. well, like you're... I'm listening to a, um, <clears throat> I'm listening to a, uh, a podcast right now about uh, the Manhattan Project and mm. how the American, you know, Congress and uh, country literally came together, put together $2 billion. They built cities and like harnessed the power of like their population to be able to create the bomb, you know, and like, and they did that because they felt the threat of Nazi Germany and like, you know, the, the, if they get it first, we need to get it first. Mm -hmm. And right. under concentrated effort, they were able to do an amazing thing, a horrible thing, but an amazing thing mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. would have normally taken many, many years. And they were able to do it in a small amount of time because they were able to concentrate all this effort, but they did it under the guise of, uh, uh, under this threat. Whereas, you know, right now we could put together, you know, the best scientists and do this uh, amazing work, but there's no real drive to because there's no threat right it's, it's right. crazy it has to be really bad before you before you can get everyone to are agree to, to, action. Do, to do something yeah. together yeah yeah and no it's just it's just um tragic that it that it has to be that way mm -hmm. um renarin was there standing near the corner watching the work he'd been joining the scholars with some regularity but he still wore his uniform with the bridge four patch you can't spend forever floating between worlds, cousin, she thought. Eventually, you'll need to decide where you want to belong. Life was so much harder, but potentially so much more fulfilling when you found the courage to choose. Yeah, but what do you think of this? Like, I don't like it. I don't like it either. I, I, I like that Renarin is between these worlds. Yeah. I like the I fact like that, that he's that... scholarly and still part of Bridge Four. Right. So do I. Bridge four needs someone like him. Yeah. And the scholars need someone like Renarin. As we know mm -hmm. from the last meeting when he was all like, yeah, you guys are thinking about this all wrong. It's not mm -hmm. a bunch of Fabrials. This place is one big Fabriel. Right. And as we know at the end of this chapter, he's the one who figures it out. I know. I know. It's amazing. Okay. So the story of the old Veden king, Nanket, had taught Yasna something troubling. Often the greatest threat to a ruling family was its own members. Mm -hmm. And of course, this has to be telling us something about what's going on. So its own, like, there are going to be problems within. Right. And this is clearly just pointing where... to Navani, right? No, See? no, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Oh, okay, okay. I thought that's where you were going. No, 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 that's not where, no, it's not where I'm going. No, but more likely, I mean, the evidence of this book is showing us that Dalinar is and has been a problem. Yeah. Right. Okay, so often the greatest threat to a ruling family was its own members. Why were so many of the old royal lines such knots of murder and greed and infighting? And what made the few exceptions different? 
She'd grown adept at protecting her family against danger from without, carefully removing would-be deposers, but what could she do to protect it from within? In her absence, already the monarchy trembled. Her brother and her uncle, who she knew loved each other deeply, ground their wills against one another like mismatched gears. Mm -hmm. I like that. Me too. She would not have her family implode. If Alethkar was going to survive the desolation, they would need committed leadership and a stable throne. She entered the library room and walked to her writing stand. It was in position where she could survey the others and have her back to a wall. She unpacked her satchel, setting up two span boards, span read boards. One of the reads was blinking early, and she twisted the ruby, indicating <laughs> she was ready. A message came back, writing out, we will begin in five minutes. What do you, let me ask you quickly before we get into this little part of the chapter here. What do you think of what? this? With these like, what do you mean? these two friends, she like, these are two friends of hers that are like, so yeah. what's up? So what's up? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like no, it. I, I love it, actually. I love it. It's, it's, a, it's probably, it's a highlight for sure. Mm -hmm. I like yeah. that one of them has cat, been catfishing the scholarly world. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. scholars are normally supposed to be women because women are the, in foreign religions are the ones who can write. And this right. dude, <laughs> he's like the, you know, the, the dude in his mom's basement who's like secretly... Like uh, he's actually anonymous, the the hacker, but like, but no one knows. You yeah, know what he's I mean? he, he's sitting in his command chair in his basement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This, no. This is this this is cruel. I mean, the, the 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 thing that really gets my goat a little later is after this, um, when we get the confrontation with Amram. Right. Yeah. So that really gets my my blood boiling, mm -hmm. especially with the words he uses against Navani. Mm -hmm. Um, so she unpacks a satchel. She sees that there's, there's a message already. We'll begin in five minutes. She passed the time scrutinizing the various groups in the room, reading the lips of those she could see, absently taking notes in shorthand. She moved from conversation to conversation, gleaning a little from each one and noting the names of the people who spoke. Texts, sorry. <laughs> That's funny. Tests confirm something is different here. Temperatures are distinctly lower on other nearby peaks of the same elevation. We have to assume that Bright Lord Colin is not going to return to the faith. What then? Oh. This is really neat skill that she's got. This is like a D&D &D mm -hmm. skill. Reading lips? Yeah. Don't know. Perhaps if we find a way to conjoin the Fabrials, we could imitate this effect. The boy could be a powerful addition to our ranks. He shows interest in numerology and asked me if we can truly predict events with it. I will speak with him again. That's clearly that Renarin talking yeah. to the Storm Wardens about right. being able to predict the future. Right. Which is so cool and interesting mm. because we know that Renarin can kind of do that. That's part of his whole thing, right? That's, yeah. As a truth watcher, is that As right? As a truth watcher, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that last one was from the Storm Wardens. Yasna tightly pursed her lips. Ivory, she whispered, I will watch them. <laughs> he left her side, shrunken to the size of a speck of dust, and Yasna made a note to speak to Renarin. She would not have him wasting his time with a bunch of fools who thought they could foretell the future based on the curls of smoke from a snuffed candle. <laughs> so, this is, this is fun, Yasna. I mean, the thing about Yasna is that 
there are other things happening beyond her secured understanding. Right. Clearly so these Storm like, Wardens aren't telling the future from the smoke of a snuffed candle, but she's debasing right. what they do she's to debasing something stupid what they do. and meaningless, right? Right. Yeah. But I believe that that's going to be um, hopefully what Yasna learns about this story mm-hmm. as, it, as it continues to unfold is that there are going to be things beyond her understanding right that are going to contribute greatly and she will have um a humbling i'm sure she um, will at some point that's my prediction if she makes it through finally her span read woke up i have connected yoshi of thelena is it yoshi or jo- or jochi i hope it's yoshi yoshi of thelena and ethid of azir for you brightness here are their passcodes. Further entries will be strictly their notations. Excellent, Yasna wrote back, authenticating the two passcodes. Losing her span reads in the sinking of the wind's pleasure had been a huge setback. Mm-hmm. She could no longer directly contact important colleagues or informants. Fortunately, Tashik was set up to deal with these kinds of situations. You could always buy new reads connected to the Princeton's infamous information centers. You could reach anyone. In practice, so long as you trusted an intermediary. Yasna had one of those she'd personally interviewed, and whom she got whom she paid good money to ensure confidentiality. The intermediary would burn her copies of this conversation afterward. The system was as secure as Yasna could make it, all things considered. Hmm. So like spycrafty, eh? Like It is. Yeah. But, but my but, do you think that we know who this intermediary is? It's possible if it's one of the people we met in Tashik with the uh, in the Edge Dancer that it mm. could have been the it could have been like the the fat scholar that <laughs> that you know it could have been her, yeah, or it could have been any one of the ones we met. Um, mm. I think it's important that they don't she doesn't say the name, mm-hmm. so we're kind of left guessing. But I, I I like the fact that maybe it could could have been it could have been one of those uh, scribes that we uh, we met there. Yasna's intermediary would now be joined by two others in Tashik. Together, the three would be surrounded by six span-read boards, one each of receiving comments from their masters and one each to send back the entire conversation in real time, including the comments from the other two. That way, each conversant would be able to see a constant stream of comments without having to stop and wait before replying. Navani talked of ways to improve the experience, of span reads that could be adjusted to connect to different people. That was, sorry, that was one area of scholarship, however, that Yasna did not have time to pursue. Her receiving board started to fill with notes, being written by her two colleagues. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is, this is kind of cool. Yeah, it is really neat. She, she's thinking of how can I take a span read and have three-way mm. calling on it instead of just a two-way call? She's like, but you know what? I don't right. have time to think about that. <laughs> I don't have time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yasna, you live, Yoshi wrote. Back from the dead. Remarkable. I can't believe you ever thought she was dead, Ethid replied. Yasna, Colin, lost at sea? Likelier we'd find the Stormfather dead. <laughs> Your confidence is comforting, Ethid, Yasna wrote on her sending board. A moment later, those words were copied by her scribe into the common span-read conversation. Are you at Urithiru? Yoshi wrote. When can I visit? 
As soon as you're willing to let everyone know you aren't female, Yasna wrote back. <laughs> yeah. Yo Yoshi, known to the world as a dynamic woman of distinctive philosophy, was a pen name for a, a pot-bellied man in his 60s who ran a pastry shop in Thalen City. A pastry shop. I love it. A it's pastry so funny. shop. I love it. Yeah. Oh, I'm certain your wonderful city has need of pastries, Yoshi wrote back jovially. Can we please discuss your silliness later, Ethan wrote. I have news. She was a scion, a kind of religious order or of, of scribe at the Azish Royal Palace. Mm -hmm. Okay. A scion. Yeah. Well, stop wasting time then, Yoshi wrote. I love news. Goes excellently with a filled donut. No, no, a fluffy brioche. <laughs> the news, Yasna just wrote, smiling. These two had studied with her under the same master. They were Veristatilians of the keenest mind, regardless of how Yoshi might seem. So the three of them all studied with the were same master. Master, right. So it's like they, uh, this is a way of saying they went to university together. Right. Who's the master? I don't think they mention it, so... Is it, is it Wit? No, I don't think so. No. No, I don't okay. think so. But uh, um, it's really, really cool that they are, you know, th these, are her, these are her pals. These are her pals. Um, I've been tracking a man we are increasingly certain is in the Herald, sorry, is the Herald Naku, the judge, Ethan wrote. Nalan as you call him. So the Azish call him Naku. Naku. The Alethi refer to him as Nalan. Nalan. We call him Nail. Lift calls him Darkness. Right. Wow, foreign names. Yeah. That's not hard to keep track of. No, it's not. That's super easy. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Oh, are we sharing nursery tales now? Yoshi asked. Heralds? Really, Ethan. If you haven't noticed, Ethan wrote, the Voidbringers are back. Tales we dismissed are worth a second look now. Mm -hmm. I agree, Yasna says, but what makes you think you found one of the Heralds? It's a combination of many things, she wrote. This man attacked our palace, Yasna. He tried to kill some thieves. The new Prime is one of them. But keep that in your sleeve. We're doing what we can to play up his common roots while ignoring the fact that he was intent on robbing us. Harold's alive and trying to kill people, Yoshi wrote, and here I thought my news about a sighting of Axis the Collector was interesting. That Ooh. is interesting. Isn't that know, cool? Isn't it great? If that's just yeah, a slipped cool. in there too, right? Like That's just, yeah, it's yeah. just a little sp sprinkle. Yeah. There's more, Ether wrote. Yasna, we've got a Radiant here. An Edge Dancer, or we had one. Had one, Yoshi wrote. Did you misplace her? Well, she ran off. She's just a kid, Yasna. Reshi. She was raised on the streets. I think we may have her... I think we may have met her, Yasna wrote. My uncle encountered someone interesting in one of his recent visions. I'm surprised you let her get away from you. Have you ever tried to hold on to an edge dancer? Ethan wrote. <laughs> she chased after the Herald of Tashik, but the Prime says she is back now and avoiding me. In any case... Something's wrong with the man I think is Nalan, Yasna. I don't think the Heralds will be a resource to us. I will provide you with sketches of the Heralds, Yasna said. I have drawings of their true faces, provided by an unexpected source. Ethid, you are right about them. They aren't going to be a resource. They're broken. 
Mm -hmm. Have you read the accounts of my uncle's visions? I have copies somewhere, Ethan wrote. Are they real? Most sources agree that he's unwell. Oh, he's quite well, I assure you. The visions are related to his order of radiance. I will send you the latest few. They have relevance to the heralds. Hmm. So where are the true, um, the true faces from? What's her source of the heralds? An unexpected source, Yasna says. Um... Of oh, the true phases of the heralds. The unexpected source is the writings she wrote, read of the Herald of oh, War, okay. right? Okay. The more interesting part here is when he says, okay. or when she says, the visions, uh, he's quite well, I assure you, meaning Dalinar. Right. The visions right. are related to his order of radiant. I will send you the latest few they have relevance to the heralds. His visions are related right. to his radiant order. That means that Gavilar could have become a bondsmith himself, eventually. So it means Gavilar what? Gavilar, who was getting the visions, yes, could have become a bondsmith himself. Right. But he just never got there. He was killed by, by Zeth. So right. everything that Gavilar was working towards, bringing back the Radiance, he, he was doing it. He actually was doing it. Right. And then stopped short. Hmm. Interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Storms, Ethan wrote, the Blackthorn is actually a Radiant. Years of drought, and now they're popping up like rock buds. Hmm. That's funny. Ethan did not think highly of men who earned their reputations through conquest despite having made the study of such men a cornerstone of her research. Yeah. The conversation continued for some time, and Yoshi, growing uncharacteristically solemn, spoke directly of the state of Thelena. It had been hit hard. By the repeated coming of the Everstorm, entire sections of Thelen city were in ruin. Yasna was most interested in the Thelen Parshman, who had stolen the ships that had survived the storm. Their exodus, combined with Kaelin Stormblast's interactions with the Parshman in Alethkar, was painting a new picture of what and who the Voidbringers were. The conversation moved on as Ethid transcribed an interesting account she discovered in an old book discussing the desolations. From there they spoke of the Dawn Chant translations, in particular those by some ardents in Yakoved who were ahead of the scholars at Carbranth. Yasna glanced through the library room, seeking out her mother, who was sitting near Shalon, to discuss wedding preparations. Mm -hmm. Renarin was still lurking at the far side of the room, mumbling to himself, or perhaps to his spren. She absently read his lips. It's coming from in here, Renarin said, somewhere in this room. <laughs> this speaks to what you and I were talking about, is that he's experiencing something yeah or he he knows more than they think he knows right clearly because he's able to find these ju these jewels that have like the mm -hmm. like the uh, the writing uh, like um like embedded in them or whatever or the information embedded right. in them um but yeah he's <laughs> he's awesome he's so it's awesome. coming from in here it's it's so it's so creepy yasna narrowed her eyes ethid she wrote weren't you going to try to construct drawings of the spren Tied to each of the other radians? I've gotten quite far, actually, she wrote back. I saw the edge dancer spren personally 
after demanding a glimpse. What, of the truth watchers? Yasna asked. Oh, I found a reference of, to those, Yoshi wrote. The spren reportedly looked like light on a surface after it reflects through something crystalline. So there you go. So, so that's a description of, of Renarin's of spren? spren. Yeah. Yasna's interested, okay. right? <clears throat> she's mm -hmm. curious. She's very curious about her cousin. And she's like, wants to know what his spren looks like. And the description right. is the spren reportedly looked like light on a surface after it reflects through something crystalline. So something like right. your, your cat might jump on the wall for, because it's like, you know, it's shimmering through something hanging in the window or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yasna thought for a moment, then briefly excused herself from the conversation. Yoshi said he needed to go and find a privy anyway. She slipped off her seat and crossed the room, passing near Navani and Shalon. I don't want to push you at all, dear, Navani said, was saying, but in these uncertain times, surely you wish for stability. Yasna stopped, freehand resting idly on Shalon's shoulder. The younger woman perked up, then followed Yasna's gaze toward Renarin. What? Shalon asked. I don't know, Yasna said. Something odd. Something about the way the youth was standing. The words he had spoken. He still looked wrong to her without his spectacles, like a different person entirely. Hmm. Yasna, Shalon said, suddenly tense. The doorway. Look. Yasna sucked in stormlight at the girl's tone and turned away from Renarin toward the room's doorway. There, a tall, square-jawed man had darkened the opening. He wore Sadius's colors for forest green and white. In fact, he was Sadius now, at least its regent. Yasna would always know him as Meridus Amaram. Also known as Shithawk. <laughs> Fuck, we hate this guy. I know, he's terrible. And the fact that... that there were arrangements being made for him to be with Yasna. That's what Gavilar wanted, right? Yeah. Ew. And the very, very first POV we get from Yasna, which is the, um, the prelude to, uh, words of radiance. Mm. There's a moment there where she says, my father wants us to get together, but there's no fucking way I'm ever getting together with that guy. Right. right. It has to do with him, but it also has to do with what she's focused on. She's not focused on that. She's focused on, no. on everything else, all the worldly problems. Well, she certainly doesn't need to be with a guy like that. No. What's he doing here? Shalon hissed. He's a high prince, Navani says. The soldiers aren't going to forbid him without a direct command. Amram fixated on Yasna with regal, light tan eyes, and he strode toward her, exuding confidence. Or was it conceit? He, uh, Yasna, he said when he drew close. I was told I could find you here. Could you Remind um, me to find whoever told you, Yasna said, and have them hanged. Can you, can you read that over, but make him s s uh, feel more smarmy and, like, dickish? Sm smarmy and dickish? Yeah, like, I don't, I just, it's, <laughs> it, it seems unfair to read him, like, normal, like, just like a normal read. Like, he, he's such a dick, such a weasel, that you almost want to read him as such, right? <laughs> As such, so, ah, Yasna, I was told I could find you here. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how you should read them all the time. Oh, gosh. 
Remind me to find whoever told you, Yasna said, and have them hanged. Amaram stiffened. Could we speak together more privately, just for a moment? God almighty, you know what? You sound like an uptight Hugh Grant, and I fucking love it. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I think not, Yasna says. Well, we need to discuss your uncle. The rift between our houses serves nobody. I wish to bring that chasm, and Dalinar listens to you. Please, Yasna, you can't steer him properly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so awesome. My, sorry, you can you can steer him properly. My uncle knows his own mind on these matters and doesn't require me to steer him. As if you haven't been doing so already, Yasna. Everyone can see that he has started to share your religious beliefs, which would be incredible since I don't have any religious beliefs. Amram sighed, looking around. Please, he said. Private? Not a chance, Meredith. Go away. We were close once. My father wished us to be close. Do, n- do not mistake his fancies f- for fact. Mm-hmm. I almost wanted that to be, do not mistake his fancies for mine. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yasna, you, really should, should, you really should leave before somebody gets hurt. He ignored her suggestion, glancing at Navani and Shalon, and then stepping closer... We thought you were dead. I needed to see for myself that you are well. You have seen and now leave. Indeed, sorry, instead he gripped her forearm. Why, Yasna? Why have you always denied me? Other than the fact that you are a detestable buffoon who achieves only the lowest level of mediocrity, as it is the best, sorry, as it is the best your limited mind can imagine, can't possibly think of a reason. Mediocre, Amram growled. (laughs) (laughs) You insult my mother, Yasna. You know how hard she worked to raise me to be the best soldier this kingdom has ever known. Yes, and from what I understand, she spent the seven months she was with child entertaining each and every military man she could find in the hopes that some of them would stick to you. Hmm. Jeez. Yikes. Yikes. Insulting his mother. (laughs) Shalon audibly Mer- gasps. What's that? It says the next line is Meredith, his eyes widen and his face flushed deeply to their side. Shalon Sh- yeah, audibly Shalon gasps. Audibly gasps. Like, oh. That's right. <laughs> and then he says, You godless whore. Amram hissed, releasing her. If you weren't a woman, if I weren't a woman, I suspect we wouldn't be having this conversation unless I were a pig. And then you'd be doubly interested. Ooh. He thrust his hand to the side, stepping back, preparing to summon his blade. Yasna smiled, holding her free hand toward him, letting Stormlight curl and rise from it. Oh, please do, Meredith. Give me an excuse, I dare you. That's my highlight. Yeah. She's like calling him, like, that let's badass go. calling him out, yeah. let's go. P- please do it. Go ahead. Yeah, it's awesome. Because I want to see Yasna in, in... In a fight. You know, in, in, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This is this is the worst. Him calling her a godless whore. Wow. Yeah. Like that made me still makes me angry. It makes me so angry at this character. Um Okay, so go go ahead. Oh, please do, Meredith. Give me an excuse, I dare you. He stared at her hand. The entire room had gone silent, of course. He'd forced her to make a spectacle. His eyes flicked up to meet hers. And then he spun and stalked from the room. 
shoulders hunched as if trying to shrug away the eyes and the snickers of the scholars. He will be trouble, Yasna thought, even more than he has, than he has been. Mm-hmm. Amram genuinely thought he was Alcar's only hope and salvation and had a keen desire to prove it. Left alone, he'd rip the armies apart to justify his inflated opinion of himself. She would speak with Dalinar. Perhaps the two of them could devise something to keep Amram safely occupied. And if that didn't work, she wouldn't speak to Dalinar about the other precautions she would sh- that she would take. Because she's known to, like, get assassins involved. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? About, By the way. um... She that she'd been uh, uh, she'd been out of touch for a long time, but she was confident there would be assassins for hire here. That part, you mean? Uh, what part? Like, is that what you're asking? What do I think about the? No, um, no. What I was um, bringing up was just that her familiarity with using assassins. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Yasna being involved in Sadius's death? Um. We, why, like, like, why are, why, sorry, what? Um, we know who killed Sadius. This isn't, uh, this isn't a mystery to us. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> Have you forgotten who about... killed Sadius? I don't think so. So then why, why would Yasna be involved in that? Dramatic pause. This is, this is a dramatic pause. <laughs> Maybe, sorry, I, I might have some details. Uh, let's let's mixed just up go over here. it real quick here. Adolin yeah. killed Sadius. Yeah, but that doesn't make sense. It does make sense. We read it on the page. I don't know, but. Okay. He killed him. And then he talked about killing him afterwards to us in his POV. Yeah, that's true. But then what's with this doppelganger thing? The doppelganger was Ray Shafir. Ray Shafir oh, was yeah, the one right. who was that's right. going around doing, doing the all these other right. murders, copycatting that's them. That's right. Okay, sorry. Okay. <laughs> just a just a mid mid book review, everyone. Just <laughs> <laughs> that's me deleting an entire part of this book right. and then Okay. In your Never defense, mind. that was like two years ago you read that. So <laughs> Okay. All right. So all right, let's let let's go back to this. He will be trouble. She would speak with Dalinar. She'd been out of touch for a long time, but she was confident that there would be assassins for hire, ones who knew her reputation for discretion and excellent pay. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be funny if she ends up hiring Shallan? Or like Vale or something? Zale? Vale. Like swordsman? Oh, Vale, yeah. She's yeah, not Vail. an assassin, though, so. No, but. A high-pitched sound came from beside her, and Yasna glanced to find Shallan sitting perkily on her seat, making an excited noise in the back of her throat and clapping her hands together quickly, the sound muffled by her clothed safe hand. Wonderful. Mother, Yasna said, might I speak for a moment with my ward? Navani nodded, her eyes lingering on the doorway, where Amaram had exited. Once she'd pushed for the union between them. Yasna didn't blame her. The truth of Amaram was difficult to see and had been even more so in the past, when he'd been close to Yasna's father. Mm-hmm. Navani withdrew, leaving Shalon at the table, stacked with reports. Brightness, Shalon said at Yasna's, said as Yasna sat. That was incredible. 
I let myself be pushed into abundant emotion. But you were so clever. And yet, my first insult was not to attack him, but the moral reputation of his female relative. Clever? Or simply the use of an obvious bludgeon? Oh, um, well, regardless, Yasna cut in, I've been thinking about your training. Shalon stiffened immediately. I've been very busy, Brightness. However, I'm sure I'll be able to get those books you assigned me very soon. Yasna rubbed her forehead. This girl. Brightness, Shalon said, I think I might have to request a leave from my studies. Shalon spoke so quickly the words ran into one another. His Majesty says he needs me to go with him on the expedition to Kolinar. <laughs> Yasna frowned. Kolinar? Nonsense. They'll have the Windrunner with them. Why do they need you? The king is worried they might need to sneak into the city, Shalon said, or even through the middle of it, if it's occupied. We can't know how far the siege has progressed. If Elokar has to reach the Oathgate without being uh, recognized, then my illusions will be invaluable. I have to go. It's so inconvenient, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She took a deep breath, eyes wide, as if afraid that Yasna would snap at her. This girl. It's so funny that Yasna, Yasna sees through her. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. And she does, because she's saying, oh, this girl, she's right. going to do anything to, what, you know, mm -hmm. to, to get out of her studies. Um, Renarin, sorry, this girl, I'll speak with Elikar, Yasna says. I feel that might be extreme, for now I want you to go do drawings of Renarin's and Kaladin's spren, for scholarly reasons. Bring them to me. She trailed off. What is he, what is he doing? Renarin stood near the far wall, which was covered in palm-sized tiles. He tapped a specific one and somehow made it pop out, like a drawer. Yasna stood throwing back her hair, and she strode across the room, Shalon scampering along behind her. Renarin glanced at them, then held up what he'd found, in a small drawer. A ruby, long as Yasna's thumb, cut into a strange shape with holes drilled in it. What on Roshar? She took it from him and held it up. What is it? Navani said, shouldering up beside her. A fabrile? No metal parts. What is that shape? Yasna reluctantly surrendered it to her mother. So many imperfections in the cut, Navani says. That will cause it to lose Stormlight quickly. It won't even hold a charge for a day, I bet. And it will vibrate something fierce. Curious, Yasna touched it infusing the gemstone with, some, with, with, star, with stormlight. It started glowing, but not nearly as brightly as it should have. Navani was of course right. It vibrated as stormlight curled off of it. Why would anyone spoil a gem with such a twisted cut? Mm -hmm. And there's why the, hide it? There's the title. Yeah. The small drawer was latched with a spring, but she couldn't see how Renarin had gotten it undone. Storms, Shalon whispered, as the others uh, crowded around. That's a pattern. A pattern? Buzzes in sequence, Shalon says. My friend says he thinks this is a code. Letters? Music of language, Renarin whispered. He drew in stormlight with some spheres in his pocket and then turned and pressed his hands against the wall, sending a surge of stormlight through it that extended from his palms like twin ripples on the surface of a pond. Drawers slid open, one behind each white tile, a hundred, two hundred, each revealing gemstones inside. 
The library had decayed, but the ancient radiance had obviously anticipated that. They'd found another way to pass on their knowledge. Yeah, dun, 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 dun. So we, that's the end. It's, it's awesome, so good. Eh? Yeah. So we are getting an account, hopefully from the radiance yeah. of old. Uh, hopefully right? about a bunch of stuff. Now, how, so why, why the lack of stormlight in terms of involvement in their crystals or in these, um, in these gems? Because they're imperfect because they've been, they've been carved into. So they're, the yeah. imperfectness imper- uh, of the, the gem doesn't hold the stormlight very long, but right. if without those carvings in them, they don't do the hum, the buzz that is the information. Right. And so they're going to probably need to use pattern for the next little while to try to you know, uncover mm. some of those words, right? And they'll, mm. they'll figure it out at some point. Like they're going to work on it all together, this whole group of people. But yeah, it's really, really interesting. Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your highlight uh, of this chapter? Highlight for that. Oh, geez. I think her saying to Amram, you know, go ahead. Yeah. Just give me one reason. Oh, please do, Meredith. Give me an excuse. You know, please do. I dare you. I dare you. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking awesome. That's my, that's my, uh, that's my highlight. Yeah. For sure. What about yours? Um, I have a couple of little ones here. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, just find here. Sure. Um, give me a second. So it says the conversation moved on as Ethid transcribed an interesting account. She discovered in an old book discussing the desolations from mm. there. They spoke of the Don Trant translations in particular, those by some ardents in Yaakoved who were ahead of the scholars at Carbranth. Mm-hmm. Those ardents in Yaakoved who were at the head of, uh, who were ahead of the scholars at Carbranth is Alista. The two artists who read the romance novels, right? Yeah, th- remember at the very wow, end of their, I didn't, uh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, of their interlude, they were yeah. the ones who they were like, "Oh, you're 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 doing the Don Trant, me too." Oh, and then they started like talking about it and like, and she's like, "Oh my god, we can actually do this!" So like, they end up those two artists end up being the ones who are at the head of really translating this whole thing. So it's really, really neat. It's just a tiny little slip in there. <laughs> I totally missed that. That's awesome. Yeah, it is really cool. And then yeah. there's another moment here. So, um, uh, Yasna thought for a moment, then briefly excuse herself from the conversation. Yochi was needed to go to the bathroom, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to push you at all, dear. Navani was saying, but in these uncertain times, you surely wish for stability. Yasna stopped freehand resting idly on Shalon's shoulder. The younger woman perked up, then followed Yasna's gaze towards Renarin. What? Shalon whispered. I don't know. Yasna said something odd. Mm-hmm. The, the appearance of odd again in a moment like this mm-hmm. where Renarin is doing something odd, but he's also doing something wondrous and magical, um, right. is, is just, I, I didn't like you were reading it and I didn't want to like kind of interrupt, but like that's yeah, yeah. the odd something thing again odd. in a perfect position like this. It's awesome. Right. And I mean, truth watcher, I want, you almost wonder if he's being guided by the old radiance. Well, he, one of the things that we don't know about Renarin and I think that Yasna does a really good job of keying in on here is Renarin Spren. We right. don't know anything about Renarin Spren. We know its name is Gliss. Right. We've never seen it. We've never seen him interact no. with it. And we know that from 
our past with other radiance, they help guide them in some of the things they don't know yet. So Gliss right. could be helping him uncover some of these things. That's true. Mm-hmm. You're right. So a lot of that odd behavior could be just communication with Gliss. He could be getting info. We don't know how much Gliss remembers because mm-hmm. a lot of these, um, a lot of these friends don't remember stuff from before and they start to remember as they go along, but that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean anything. We don't really know anything about Gliss. So it's really, really interesting. <laughs> I want more Gliss. Me too. I want all the Gliss. I did come across a little tidbit online. Oh no. Uh, what? Regarding, regarding Sanderson. Regarding the next book in Stormlight. Like the name of the, the next book? No, I don't, I didn't read, I didn't catch that, but I, I caught on my feed. I didn't click on anything, of course, but it said something that, uh, like the, um, the next book was 50% done. Yes. I saw that too. D- did you catch that too? Yeah, I saw that too. Sorry, everyone. I'm having a hard time here with my coughing. I'm sick this weekend and I'm going to edit most of the, the grossness, but <laughs> At the end of this recording now, my voice is a little shot. So let's just quickly get through this info dump so we can end the episode. Sure, um, sure, sure. Thanks to uh, um, Buzzkill Joe for all the work that he does on the info dump. Hopefully it's a short one so that I don't have to talk too much more. Um, uh, Akak uh, is a place, uh, not a joke. It's an island off the co- north coast of Alethkar, formerly uh, of Herdaz. It's now under mm-hmm. Alethi control. Um, Renarin, um, his name means like one who was born onto himself. We talked already about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Alethi and Veden border plant life. The land here was lush compared to Kolinar. The thick grass mm-hmm. was broken by sturdy stands of trees and tangled vines draped the Western cliff faces. There were places farther into Yakovid where you couldn't take a step without vines writhing under your feet. So like mm-hmm. where... They've given us this picture of Alcar kind of being more barren. The, um, mm-hmm. it's funny, like kind of three degrees of it. Like the shattered plains is really barren. Alcar becomes a little more lush. Yakoved's even more lush. So the more, mm-hmm. you know, you, you get away from that area, the, the more, you know, there's, the, there's actual foliage and everything. So it's kind of neat. Um, he's got a note on the glyphs here. This is just another research note, uh, mainly on Alethi mm-hmm. glyphs and their history. Um, and he thinks that this is likely Nas, this other, uh, this scholar who we've been seeing, uh, every once in a while in these books, he's the person who wrote that. Remember the, um, the letter that was attached or the little note that was written on that piece of page that sunk to the bottom of the ocean. And he said like, mm-hmm. you know, I, uh, I ruined my jacket getting a hold of this. You, you better be happy. The same person, right. same, same author as Nas. And that's who uh, Buzzkill Joe mm-hmm. thinks it is. So very, very cool. And then there's a, um, in one of the notes here, there's a, a, a creature that's named a Zata leaf. It's a bat-like, uh, a cephalod, cephalopod, <laughs> sorry, from Akak. So it's, um, it's kind of interesting that there's like a new creature mentioned here, just in one of these little notes. Um, Quickly, we will go through uh, uh, chapter 53. Nanhar was an ancient Vedan king. Nanket mm-hmm. was Nanhar's successor, and he's the person who ends up, um, he was only king for three months, but he's the one who survived six assassination attempts uh, by his mm-hmm. own family and then gathered everyone together and then killed them all, only to die by eating his food. Um, Oil Eyes is the historian who wrote the story. 
And then we get a couple of new characters here, friends of Yasna's, Yochi <laughs> and Ethid, uh, the Versatilians like her that she went to school with. Um, there is a mention of Nail again, the judge, uh, um, um, all kinds of different names for this guy. Yeah, four different. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then there's a tiny little mention. We love this. A tiny little mention of Axie's the Collector again, which is great. Yeah. Um, and then pastries are fully uh, canonized. Yochi. Yeah. yeah. Uh, donuts and brioches exist in uh, Roshar, which is awesome. <laughs> and then we finally get the end of the chapter, which has these en encoded gemstones. Uh, Renarin kind of finds all these uh, gemstones that vibrate when infused, that generate a pattern that can be uh, translated into words, which is really, really cool. So thanks to uh, Buzzkill Joe for the, um, the all the research and the help with the, the, the info dump. Um, quickly, I would, would have loved to have been able to read all the names today off the Patreon list, but my voice is about to collapse. So we are going to do this quickly and say, if you want to reach out to us, which we do, we want you to reach out about your thoughts on the glyph page and anything else that you thought about this, uh, the, this episode, you can reach out to us at heroes of at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Twitter at heroes of one, um, on the, um, on Instagram, we are the storm pod, or you can hit up the, um, Facebook page and the Reddit, uh, uh, subreddit, the storm pod. Um, if you want to join the, uh, uh the Patreon team, you can do so at patreon.com slash heroes of, you can join the uh, discord group and, uh, get, uh, if you, uh, join the second tier, you can get a little, uh, gift, uh, uh, pouch from, uh, Craftmaster Mike. He's always hard at work in his little laboratory, making up stuff for you guys. So, uh, yeah, so make sure to check that out. Jack, we are doing... Are we nearing the, the end of part two? We are, we are two episodes away from the end of part two. Wow. So okay. we're doing 54. I thought it was coming up. Yeah, we're doing 54 and 55. Mm -hmm. Next chapter, our next episode. Next episode, yeah. Yeah, and then I'm going to have a surprise for you. So you better, you better block off about three and a half hours next recording instead of this little really? tight two hours that we have yeah you better block off yeah. a little bit of time next sunday because i got a surprise for us next week so oh and maybe a surprise for the listeners as well so oh good yeah that's great well thank you very much everyone for listening we uh we love you very much until next time take care everybody the storm pod is brought to you by heroes of music and theme song by jack forrest productions Additional music by Jason Moray. Produced by our wonderful Patreon team and the heroes of Akathra. <laughs>